back with another episode of Off the Trail. I'm your host, Mary Claire, and I'm joined today by Stephanie, who's the founder and owner of College Planning 101. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Thank you for having me, Mary Claire. Yeah, thank you so much for hopping on today. We appreciate it. And we're going to be talking about kind of planning for college in the time of a pandemic, right? Obviously, a lot of things have changed, and people have questions about how things may have changed in terms of getting ready for college. So let's jump right in. Stephanie, talk a little bit about, you know, how has the application process for college changed since the pandemic? And if so, how? I think the biggest change for our students that are graduating in the 2021 school year, that's this, you know, senior year, mm-hmm. is the fact that colleges have gone test optional, a lot of colleges, not so much in the South, like Florida, but a lot of colleges across the nation have gone test optional. Okay. And that has allowed students to still qualify for merit-based scholarships based on GPA. And the amazing amount of cancellations with the SAT and ACTs mm-hmm. has really hindered students in taking those tests. So it's been a godsend for some students that colleges are going test optional. Gotcha. Uh, the other piece of that is, you know, the unknown of, you know, on campus, online, you know, that's a big thing. And parents are like, I don't want to pay $50,000 a year in tuition for online courses. Right. So. Right. So do you find that people are waiting then and not going to school or and kind of waiting it out? It's a mix. Yeah, it's definitely a mix. You know, here at my firm, pretty pretty much a, col- a community college is on every student's list because at the end of the day, if it's not affordable or they didn't really get into the college of choice that they you know were really hoping for, mm-hmm. then you know community college becomes that you know okay plan B. Right. And um, and some students are really taking a step back to say you know I don't want to do any more online courses. I, I don't work well that way. Mm-hmm. So those are the students who are really considering taking a step back. Right, right. I want to back up one quick second. Now, when you say the colleges are going test optional, you're talking about like the SAT and that kind of thing, right? Correct. For SAT and ACTs, um, they will not require the SAT or ACTs for merit scholarships mm-hmm. and or admissions. Okay. Most colleges admit by GPA, but the SAT or ACT is another feather in the student's cap mm-hmm. to show strength in their academics. Right. Right. So is there anything, as people, um, you know, whether they ha- are juniors or, or seniors in college, uh, high school or maybe already graduated, is there anything they should be doing differently right now to prepare for college? You know, it really is the same process. Research is important, understanding what they're offering when it comes to internships and or co-op programs. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, students are still going to be going to college. Right. So the process for finding the right college has not changed. Mm -hmm. But one key piece that families have to really be cognizant of is the college's financial condition. Yeah. And my practice, we actually have a report, and Forbes created it, that shows the financial strength of a college based on their financial condition, um, you know, their bottom line, if you will. Right. And colleges have had a lot of financial strain through this pandemic, from mm-hmm. refunding uh, monies to students from last spring on room and board, 
to the drop in enrollment. That has been a big, you know, factor as well. Right. And then all of the protective equipment that they've had to put on their campuses. Mm-hmm. So students and faculty and everybody are safe. That's a huge expense. Right. So, you know, one of the things moving forward is, is what is that college's financial condition? And of so, course, we're not going to even shout, oh, yeah, we're not doing so good. Right. <laughs> so. It's almost like when you're looking for a job to some extent, you want to be with a, you want to try to find a firm or a company that's, you know, going to be around for a couple of years. Okay. It makes, I would have never thought about that. Families don't don't think about it, but yeah, it is definitely a factor. And I I will tell you that over the past couple of years, you know, colleges, no name colleges are closed and or merged with other universities. Yeah. And you're going to see a lot more of that either closing or merging. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately the benefit of that is going to really be for the students and maybe even for the colleges to be a little bit more cost effective because they're sharing resources with other institutions and or combining their, you know, properties, if you will, and selling off some properties. Right. So I think, you know, in three to five years, the shakeout's going to be a benefit. It's just going to be a rocky two, three years. So is it taking any longer to um, apply for or hear about financial aid? Or is it harder Uh, to get now? first year that we're having our applications and financial aid go in with the pandemic you know like we do like the pandemic happened after all financial aid was right. in for the prior freshman and all the other you know uh college years but um right now you know we normally don't find out until march anyway mm-hmm. so you file your FAFSA, you know october november december time frame and the colleges really don't give out financial packages until march Mm-hmm. So I won't know if there's a delay in getting financial aid or finding out about financial aid. Gotcha. Um, but the other thing is, you know, is it harder to get financial aid? You know, thinking about how you asked the question, um, I don't think the colleges are going to have as much money to get. Yeah. They're just right. not. And I have warned all of my families. And when I do my webinars, I say it to my attendees. Think about it. It's a business. And if they don't have the cash flow, they can't give it. And when a college commits to a merit scholarship, they actually mm-hmm. have to budget for four years. Right. Need based aid does change from year to year, but if a student, you know, qualifies for need based aid in one year, the potential of them, you know, qualifying for additional years is, is strong. So they actually have to budget, you know, for that. And I don't think that they're going to be able to budget as much as they have in the past. It's just I don't think it's possible. Yeah. That makes sense. So what hasn't changed? You know, obviously we're talking about some of the things that have changed since the, since the outset of the pandemic, but what hasn't changed for people who are preparing for college? Research is still imperative. Mm-hmm. That is something that I encourage my families to do. It's important to understand all the options that you have at a college, whether it be, you know, um, travel abroad to, you know, the, the simple 101 course you're going to take. Uh, how does it affect you? What's the benefits of it and all that? Right. Um, so that's really the same. Uh, college is expensive and it gets more expensive every year. That's not changing either. And, you know, for most, you know, for a lot of career tracks, college is important. And when I'm speaking with my students and I'm doing a presentation for students, I say, you know, if you want to be a mechanic, um, a, you know, a plumber, carpenter, those jobs are still needed. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to get a four-year degree for that. Unless you want to go into construction management, you know, and mm-hmm. you want to, but if you want to be in the managerial position of that type of, of work, then, you know, a four-year degree can benefit you. So 
you know, students still have to go to college, but I think that kids are really taking a step back to say, well, what do I want to do? And right. Is, you know, a four-year degree required. Right. And I don't know how you feel, Stephanie, but honestly, I think that's a good thing, you know, that people are putting more thought into their future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I settled across from a lot of families and I've had a lot of parents say, we'll figure out how to pay for it later. And I say, well, then I can't work with you because that's one of the first things you figure out. What can you afford? And, you know, you want to begin with the end in mind, which is right. what are you, what's your student's starting salary? As a teacher, it might be 40000 As an engineer, it might be sixty. As mm-hmm. a doctor, it might be eighty. You know, I mean, and, and, uh, doctors don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars when they get go. So right, what right. kind of debt can that career, that starting career salary handle? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then parents will be like, well, I feel guilty, so I'll pay for it. Really? You're willing to have $120,000, $100,000 of debt in four and a half years that comes due? You right. can afford a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars a month student loan payment. Yeah, and parents, you know, I say don't do, don't run this whole process on guilt and or an ego, because mm-hmm. those two things can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, that's solid, solid advice, Stephanie. And you know, I have to, I was chuckling to myself when you were mentioning some of the other fields that don't necessarily require a four-year degree, because my son is ten, and he informed me the other day that he wanted to be an electrician. And I said, yes, that's fantastic. Let's roll with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I've had students go to college, uh, do two years for a diesel mechanic, Mm -hmm. um, degree. And he graduated making $70,000 a year and had no debt because his parents were like, you know what? We can, we can pay two full years of, of college at a SUNY price. Right. So, you know, and he's a diesel mechanic making great money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those blue collar, you know, trades will always be needed. Right. So Absolutely. I want to empower students to find their place in the world. You know, so Stephanie, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, how important research still is and making really solid decisions and particularly for the parents, not making decisions based in guilt. What other tips or suggestions or advice do you have? So understanding what you're expected to pay for college is very important in understanding affordability. Mm-hmm. And it, it's beneficial if a family understands that, but they have to be careful because there's a lot of information online that they can find that out with and the numbers are not accurate. Mm. So, you know, you have to be careful with what's online yeah. and making good decisions without feeling guilty is about research. And so you can have a $70,000 a year college that offers this amazing program, and then there might be a thirty-five dollars or $40,000 college that actually offers a very similar mm. program. So, you know, if a parent is going to do this by saying, like I had a parent say to me, oh, my God, he worked so hard to get into Syracuse, and, you know, that's just, it's not fair for him not to go. He worked so hard to get in there. And I looked at her and I said, so he deserves $200,000 in debt? That's what his hard work gave him, right. his debt? And she sat back and said, I think this is why I hired you. <laughs> so, you know, and that was her guilt talking. Yeah. So when we went through the whole process and she understood what she could pay and what she was expected to pay and then positioning the student for m- maximum merit money, which is something we do here at College Planning 101, um, they found a very good um, second option for him. Mm-hmm. 
and he was just as happy. And then I had a student who didn't get into Yale, and her parents were like, thank God, because we couldn't have afforded it because we don't qualify for need-based aid. But they let her apply, hoping Yale would, you know, deny her, and they did. Yeah. And she ended up at NYU and has an amazing experience. And she was actually, like, you know, very upset about not getting accepted to Yale. And then, you know, I spoke with her after her first semester at NYU, and she said, I love it. Yeah. I would never have thought I'd love it, but I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding affordability and, and removing colleges off the list that you can't afford is one of the first things we do as well. Right. You know, that's, right. that's you know, why allow a student to fall in love with a college that you can't afford? That's not right. fair to the student, and that just makes the parents feel worse. Right. So just to, to quickly recap, you know, as people are, as we're all trying to navigate through this pandemic, it's, it, and you're preparing for college, either as a parent or as a student, you need to step up the research game, really look at the financials, potentially be prepared for longer wait time on the financial aid. That's to be, you know, that's to be determined, but also keep in mind that there may not be as much and most likely there probably won't be as much money available to students. So Stephanie, take a minute, you know, you kind of alluded um, to some of the work that you do with your clients, but just take a minute and tell us a little bit about college planning 101. Thank you. Yeah. So I started College Planning 101 in 2009, and it was about a year before that that I, my niece had graduated from Northeastern, and she had an $1,100 a month student loan payment. My mortgage on my condo payment was $795, and I thought, Jeez. oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just started paying attention more to the college process, and then I met somebody, and I, you know, started my business because she empowered me to do so. And... Um, when College Planning 101 works with a student, we do career development, then we develop a college list, mm-hmm. and we narrow down that list with a reporting feature that is very unique to and, and, and proprietary to College Planning 101, and that enables them to make good decisions because now they have a good four-year graduation rate, good retention rate, solid financials, because we have a report for that, mm-hmm. and of course the GPA, making sure that it's a good academic fit. And right. then our software allows the student and family to do research right from the comfort of their home at a click of a mouse. So we help and empower our students to do that research, but we also make it very easy for them. Right. And then for, you know, the financial piece, we also do financial aid. But first thing we do is we help the family understand what they're expected to pay for college. And when we're narrowing down that student's college list, we're saying to the family, okay, so if your student got $20,000 in merit, and it's a $70,000 a year college, and you know you don't qualify for need because I have shown you what you're expected to pay and that you don't qualify for need. Mm-hmm. Can you afford that? And they say, no, we take it right off the list. Right. And then we also look at all of our students and our, our awards, the students' awards, making sure that they're getting the maximum so our system has averages. And if on average that students would get 10000 and they only got 5000 we will support them in an appeals process as well. Oh, we excellent. All the financial aid forms. So we are full service and um, we work with anywhere from 50 to 75 students on a graduation year. Like right mm-hmm. now, I probably have 80 kids, but it's divided into sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Right, right. And where can someone find you online? www.collegeplanning101.org, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Excellent. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mary Claire. It's been a pleasure.
And thank you for tuning in. As always, if you have any suggestions for an episode, please email us at podcast at mhvfcu.com. And we will see you next time when we go off the trail. 